0: Among the many industries that are being hard hit by the COVID-19 shutdowns is the live theater community. The Citadel Theater shut down the rest of their season, as did the Edmonton Opera. Studio Theater at the University of Alberta, Tim's Center for the Arts, also shut down the remainder of their season. I was able to talk to several different people about these theater shutdowns. I spoke to the Artistic Director of the Citadel Theatre, Darryl Cloran, about their shutdowns and how the Citadel Theatre is dealing with them. I spoke to Melanie Dreyer-Lude, the Artistic Director of Studio Theatre and the Chairperson of the Drama Department at the University of Alberta, about their Bachelor of Fine Arts graduating class theatre shutdowns and their smaller theatre production shutdowns and about drama classes transitioning to an online delivery forum. And I spoke to Belinda Cornish. Belinda Cornish is an Edmonton actor married to another Edmonton actor, Mark Muir, and her production of The Garneau Block, which she wrote based on a book, has been shut down or postponed. And she is one of the actors appearing in the upcoming production of Peter Pan goes wrong at the Citadel Theater, which is currently also postponed. So she is being affected both as a playwright and as an actor. So I interviewed each of these people and uh, talked to them about how um, the COVID-19 shutdowns are affecting all levels of live theater from the biggest theaters like the Citadel Theater to the smaller productions like the University of Alberta's graduating class productions. And I talked to actors in between who are affected by this. Here we are. First up, Daryl Cloran, the artistic director of the Citadel Theater, spoke to me about how they are dealing with things there. Here's that interview. Joining me today over Zoom is the Artistic Director of the Citadel Theater, Daryl Cloran. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so the, uh, the decision was made to shut down um, uh, Citadel Theater productions. Uh, the government announced uh, restrictions of gatherings of more than 250, I think that was on March 12th. And then um, the uh, Edmonton Opera canceled their production of Candide and the Citadel Theater cancelled the remaining shows of As You Like It, which you directed, and uh, the, and postponed the Garno block that was coming up, or about to open. Uh, so what was the decision process like? Was there a board meeting? Was it solely your decision? And how did you inform everybody involved?
1: Oh, well, you know, it, it wasn't really uh, our decision to make. I mean, when the, when the province announced uh, the uh, regulations around gatherings it was 250 people or a maximum of 50 people if there were expected to be uh, seniors uh, involved so uh, I mean we're a theatre of 700 people so quite quite quickly it meant all of our main stage productions uh, had to be finished so as you like it uh, as you like it had to end uh, four days early we had to had to stop that uh, and the Garno block was, uh, was just a, a day or two away from dress rehearsal. So we got it up to its dress rehearsal so that the artists got to do a, a run of it, uh, but then had to stop that there. And we were also in rehearsals for uh, Peter Pan Goes Wrong. So that was three days into rehearsal and we had to stop that there.
0: And, and you say uh, some of the productions were post- postponed. So is there a chance that something like the Garneau block will be restaged at another, or remounted at another time?
1: Yeah, for the Garnot block in particular, I mean, we did that dress rehearsal and then we like walked away from that theater and locked the door so that the set is still up and it's, it's ready to go. So uh, our, our commitment to that, to that production and to uh, Peter Pan Goes Wrong is that, uh, that it's a postponement. We're, look, we're looking for, as soon as we have a sense of when we're allowed to open again, uh, our, our hope is to get those, those shows back on the stage as soon as possible.
0: And so what is the Citadel's process in terms of refunds or credits or people donating their tickets back? Do you have a lot of angry customers or are people fairly understanding?
1: No, so far, everyone has been fantastic. I mean, everyone understands that, you know, this is well, well sort of beyond our control at this point. So uh, we've been asking people to just, uh, just hang on uh, until we have a sense of what, uh, what the next steps are. Hopefully for, for uh, ticket buyers who bought you know, the Garneau block or Peter Pan goes wrong. It just means that their tickets will be good uh, in a couple of months or a few months when we finally get to do those shows. Uh, uh, Obviously, if people, uh, if people aren't able to attend or no longer willing to attend, we can of course refund them. Our hope is that uh, we'll be able to trade those tickets for other things that they're interested in. Or uh, as you mentioned, uh, if people are interested in donating the tickets, back as a donation towards the the Citadel, we would happily accept that as well.
0: Um, This might seem like kind of an indelicate question because it involves people's paychecks, but since actors and crew members were under contract for a certain number of shows, are they paid for the remaining shows that would have been performed? And are they paid for uh, for a show if it's canceled before it opens?
1: Uh, Well, all all of our performers are part of the Canadian Actors' Equity Association. Uh, and so it's all regulated through that. Uh, it's kind of, it's different in each situation because each show got canceled at a different spot. Uh, like it's different between As You Like It that was near the end of its run and Peter Pan Goes Wrong that was just in the beginning. But yeah, there are, there are payments for each of them based on, uh, on that. And then uh, we, we have to go through the process with Canadian Actors' Equity. And there's a difference between shows that are canceled outright and shows that are being postponed for, uh, for a later date.
0: Okay, because actors are considered independent independent contractors, so they're not eligible for unemployment insurance, are they?
1: Uh, correct. They are independent contractors and are not normally uh, eligible for uh, employment insurance, but now the new uh, announcements made by the federal government recently have made uh, self-employed contractors available for, uh, to apply for EI. So it's all, it's all brand new and we're still working through the process with everyone, but it is, there are attempts being made to ensure that self-employed contractors are getting support as well.
0: Some of the actors who were going to be in productions that were cancelled had to fly home. Does the Citadel reimburse them for those expenses?
1: Uh, part, part of the deal, as, uh, as a performer, uh, if you're an out-of-town performer, uh, we take care of travel, for sure.
0: This is Trevor Talbot. I'm here communicating over Zoom with Daryl Cloran, the Artistic Director of the Citadel Theater, about the COVID-19 shutdowns and how they're affecting the theater community. Productions have um, production insurance to protect actors or crew members should they get injured or to cover damages to the theater, costumes or injuries to patrons. Um, Does that production insurance cover loss of revenue in a situation like this? uh no this is
1: these are very uh unusual times for us so uh so for us dealing with uh cancelled productions like this uh, there there isn't an insurance that that covers us for uh for this kind of lost revenue i mean this for theaters across canada this is this is uh this is a huge revenue loss for, for theaters to be facing potentially so it's uh, it's gonna take quite a lot of ingenuity on our part and hopefully support from uh, from federal and provincial and municipal levels to help help get us through.
0: Oh, so you are eligible for that because the Citadel Theatre is a nonprofit, so you are eligible for government bailouts or assistance. Uh, you know, at this point, we're not sure we're not sure what uh, what we could get, uh, but but the hope
1: is that there will be there will be some uh, some support for for the arts.
0: Okay, and so the Citadel Theatre will need to request some kind of assistance in order to get through this. Then will you?
1: Uh, for sure, for sure, we're gonna need support.
0: Tell me about your online stuff though. I mean, in the meantime, as kind of a stopgap measure, I've heard about something called Stuck at Home that the Citadel's doing. Could you tell yeah, us we, more about that?
1: So, uh, so we normally in our season programming, we have a, a series called the House Series, uh, which is where we do sort of comedy and cabarets and concerts. Uh, and so uh, now, that, uh, now that we're all working from home, uh, we thought we would start the Stuck in the House series. Uh, and so what we've done is uh, we've, we've invited Edmonton artists uh, to send us uh, short videos of 10 minutes or less uh, of them uh, that we can post online and we're posting, uh, posting one a day. We reached out to a number of artists who had their, uh, their productions canceled uh, to start with them. And a lot, a lot of the artists are either performing excerpts from the shows that were canceled uh, or, or brand new uh, artistic creations that they're in the midst of building. Uh, for us, it's a chance to, to keep the art alive and to give some financial support to, uh, to each of the artists. We've partnered with the Edmonton Community Foundation. They, they allowed us to redirect one of our grants to point it towards this so that we can pay the artists an honorarium. And then we're uh, accepting donations online uh, when we post these on Facebook. Uh, and any of the donations that come in are split uh, between all of the artists performing. The Citadel doesn't take any of it.
0: Okay, so these are on Facebook. Are they also on YouTube or the Citadel Theaters website? Yes, yeah, you can find them on all of those. Okay, and the artists are, uh, do get paid then for some, some of their contributions here? Yes, yeah, for sure. And is there a donate button or an easy way for people to donate to help out? Yeah, the local yeah, when, you, yeah when you watch it on Facebook, there's a the donate button and you can contribute right right there theaters unique in that um, you know you need live audiences movies can be watched at home, music can be listened to at home, but live theater needs that live audience so no one really knows what uh, you know how long these shutdowns will last. Does the citadel have a contingency plan about what you will do if uh, if the theaters can 't reopen in September? Are we looking at some kind of virtual theater
1: uh, we we see, <laughs> right now we 're working through sort of our plan B and C and D and E. Uh, depending on sort of each scenario, like if you know at what point the, uh, we're allowed to open again, when we can spring back into action with uh, with productions. Certainly, the longer that theaters are shut, the more people uh, are starting to create online and finding uh, finding new ways to to imagine that uh, that actor audience relationship. Uh, but I, I agree with you that like at its heart, uh, the thing that theater does best is it builds, uh, it builds community. It's about people being in a room together, uh, sharing this, this ephemeral experience. Uh, so, so ultimately, when, when we finally open the doors again, I feel like a lot of uh, theater audiences will be excited to, uh, to get back in the room uh, to experience that.
0: You mentioned your plan A and B and C and all of that. Um, if the government does, you know, um, remove the restrictions at some point, will the Citadel just automatically reopen your doors, or will there be some sort of um, still uh, some social distancing measures or something in place where you only sell it a certain number of tickets per theater because theater does uh, cater to an older clientele, so that would be something that you you know I would think you'd be concerned about even if the restrictions were partially lifted? yeah,
1: ultimately uh, we, we'll just continue to follow the the advice of the Alberta Health services uh, and ensure ensure that you know, when we are able to welcome people back, we're welcoming them back in a safe and uh, proper way.
0: Daryl Cloran, thank you so much for joining me, and I'm sorry it's not under better circumstances.
1: Thanks very much for having me.
0: That was Daryl Cloran, the Artistic Director of the Citadel Theatre, joining me over Zoom to discuss the COVID-19 shutdowns on the Citadel Theatre and the local theatre community. My thanks to him for joining me during this difficult time. You can visit the Citadel Theatre website at citadeltheater.com in order to check out their Stuck in the House series and support the local artists involved. You can also check them out on Facebook and on YouTube. That's Stuck in the House by the Citadel Theatre. And for any updates on the future of these productions, you can check out the Citadel Theatre's website. Next up, I spoke to... The Artistic Director of Studio Theatre at the Tim Center for the Arts and the Chairperson for the Drama Department at the University of Alberta, Melanie dreyer lude She talked to me about how the COVID-19 shutdowns are affecting the University of Alberta's productions and how the drama courses have been transitioning to an online delivery system. She joined me over Zoom. This is that interview. Joining me via Zoom is the artistic director of Studio Theatre and the chairperson of the drama department at the University of Alberta, Melanie dreyer lude Thank you very much for joining me today.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Um, these uh, the current circumstances are difficult for all uh, live theater venues. So, uh, Studio Theatre at the University of Alberta's Tim's Center for the Arts uh, has been affected. All of the other university productions. Uh, The smaller productions have been affected, and all of the in-person drama classes have been shut down. Um, How is the university dealing with um, teaching drama courses online? Because those are performance classes that, you know, essentially need to be done in person. So how is the university dealing with all of these uh, changes, and how was the decision made to shut everything down?
2: Well, I will say that all of the instructors in our department have been doing an extraordinary job. I mean, it is a seemingly impossible task to teach a performance class online, but there are instructors all across the North American continent that are uh, talking with one another and figuring out how to do that, at least in the short term. There isn't any aspirations that we can teach performance of any sort, really any of the practice-based courses online for, for the long term. And in some cases, uh, the, the, a transition has happened where students are individually or in pairs presenting something that's been recorded virtually. And that works out for some of the courses. And in other cases, uh, when, we're, when we were in the middle of a production and they were putting a show together, it's not really possible to stop the middle of that process and then shift to a virtual format. So there are a number of our productions where we just simply had to pull the plug. And probably the most heartbreaking, I mean, all of them, we're grieving all of them without a doubt, but one of the most heartbreaking was uh, our BA program's capstone production, which which we fondly refer to as 457, which is the course number. And it is the one course um, or the one production in the year that receives funding from the department, that's really treated like a big show. And the students were all the way through Q to Q, So they were just three days before opening when we had to pull the plug. And um, all that remains of all of their hard work are some photographs of the set design, which is really beautiful. And a, a lot of memories of working together. So that, that was terribly sad for us, I have to say. So Q to Q is are, a, that's a def-
0: technical uh, rehearsal just before you open.
2: A cue to cue, yeah, is a technical rehearsal where you're putting in the lights and the sound and and that sort of thing. Um, Yeah, just a couple of days before sharing it with the audience. Um, We we also, you know, Studio Theatre has had to cancel the last two productions of our season, which were, uh, the Studio Four is but both productions have students heavily involved in them, but Studio Four is the final production for the BFA acting program. And the premiere of Meg Brahm's play "Chrysothemis," which we've been working with her for three years on this particular play. And that, that was terribly heartbreaking, although we are heavily in negotiations with the hope that we can remount it um, for, a ver- for a much shorter run in August. That isn't a done deal, and we don't even know actually if the university will be open by then. So that's hard to say. And then then we've had to completely reprogram the studio theater, not completely, but we've had to rearrange some of the productions in studio theater for next year because our fifth show, which was canceled, was a thesis production. And we can't not do it. We've got a student, a couple of students who need to graduate. So we shifted that production into the first slot for next year, which sort of has a domino effect on all of the rest of them and we're adapting and it's hopefully all gonna work out if we're able to get back on campus in the fall.
0: So the Bachelor of Fine Arts graduating class from this year, their final productions are being uh, being pushed sort of into next year then?
2: Well, the, the fifth show isn't a final production for the BFA acting students, the fourth show is, and that is being pushed into August, uh, hopefully. The fifth show is, it, it's sort of an extra show in which the d- graduate students, the MFA directing students and the design students uh, are allowed to bring in outside actors. So sometimes it's populated by alumni or current students. Sometimes it's populated by professionals from the community. So it is, it is uh, slightly different in its nature than the other shows.
0: So the BFA uh, class will still be graduating this year then?
2: They will definitely still be graduating. There's no question about that. Um, that what we're trying to do by moving Chrysostomus is to save their final experience for them. Lots of instructors across campus are having to extrapolate or modify to substitute one assignment for another assignment. It's really just, it's just not possible for us to um, substitute anything of significance for that final production for them. And so we will probably extrapolate and have them write a reflection or something and then resurrect the experience after they've already received their degree um, by having them return in August and do the show. At that point though, you know, our students often step out of our programs and right into work. So we're not certain that we'll have the, the actors available to us. And the designers as well. They may already be out in the community working for other theaters. Good Lord willing, if the other theaters are actually up and running.
0: This is Trevor Talbot. I'm here communicating over Zoom with Melanie Dreyer Lude, the artistic director of Studio Theater at the Tim Center for the Arts and the chairperson for the Drama Department at the University of Alberta. We're discussing the COVID-19 shutdowns and how that has affected University of Alberta Theatre Productions and how the drama classes have been transitioned to an online delivery system. Uh, How are the students and the faculty doing? Because I know this is uh, it's got to be terribly disappointing to have so many productions shut down and then uh, some of the graduation ceremonies and things like that have also been cancelled. So how is yeah. everyone dealing with that?
2: Well, I, as well as can be expected. I'm, I'm, again, incredibly proud of our whole department. The students, the students are handling it to varying degrees. You know, we, we have, as all departments at, on campus do, we have a wide range of student experiences. We have international students, we have, we have local students, we have students who've chosen to um, head out of Edmonton and, and be with their families while they finish term. There are lots of different kinds of experiences, but generally students are handling it incredibly well. And our instructors are just amazing because they were given but a few days notice to transition courses that should not even be delivered online in a way that would feel fair to all of the students and the hard work that they've done. So besides being generally frightened all the time, which is what I think everybody is, uh, everybody's just stepping up and doing the work. It's pretty great.
0: And the university, in transitioning to online classes for the remainder of the semester, the winter semester is now a credit no credit system. Is that the case now
2: that that is the case, and it not everyone is happy about that, uh, and I completely understand that. It was a decision made in extreme times in order to be fair to students who have such a variety of circumstances, particularly our international students and I'm sure you know a lot about why this decision happened, but but students who travel to other countries and other situations, it could even be you know, within our own province, who don't have good access to internet, who don't have the ability to finish their courses in a way that's equitable to the other students in the course, really the university, they, they just determined that equity was more important than having a letter grade. And I know that there are, are some p- appeals in process for that, but I, I'm uncertain where that's going to end up.
0: And how was the decision made to shut down the the university and to go online? I mean, was it entirely from the government or was it a a university decision?
2: It was a university decision. Um, uh, The university received some signals and has been paying really close attention to what's going on in Edmonton and in, you know, in in the entire country, I would say. And uh, I warned my faculty several days before the university warned us so we were already beginning to prepare. And by the time the, the mandate for remote teaching came about, everybody was expecting it. And I honestly I have to commend everybody in the administration right now because this is such a difficult time. And they you know, in addition to trying to deal with the pandemic and its impact on student learning, we're negotiating these extreme and and cruel budget cuts from the provincial government. And it's just such a dynamic and tricky landscape. And everyone is pulling together and and making really good decisions and helping the entire university community feel more comfortable about the uncertainty that we face every day.
0: Yeah, I know there's a lot of frustration among um, the teachers and the instructors, because uh, in addition to the budget cuts, then they had, you know, three days to uh, transition their entire course curriculum to an yeah. online format. So I mean, are there counseling services at the university? I mean, uh, resources for yes,
2: there. There are lots of support services, and and you know, it, the university has provided many. The Center for Teaching and Learning has a number of supports, and there are people that they can call. But the truth is that it isn't. A U, it isn't a U of A phenomenon. It started in the States and I began warning my faculty and there, there is an international network right now, seriously, a global network for theater people who are interested in understanding how did you make this transition? What are some resources you're, you, you're using? What do you recommend for this? And it, it's created a, a beautiful supportive network all across the continent and, and overseas as well. So there are ample supports. I think all someone has to do is reach out on social media and multiple people will step up and say, here, try this.
0: And in terms of the students, I mean, there's still other, um, the university health services are still open and they still provide counseling and everything to the students. Are, are the yes, professors? Um, yes.
2: Although the campus is, is technically closed, it's not locked down. So students can come and get things if they need to. And the health center is open. And, you know, just recently we had an experience where there was a student in a difficult situation and I reached out to the Dean of Students and, golly, I would say within three minutes of my email, I had a response and there was a whole collection of people who were on it figuring out how to help the student. It is, it's quite impressive. They they really are. Everybody is on point and ready to help.
0: This is Trevor Talbot. I'm here on Zoom talking to Melanie dreyer Lude, the chairperson for the drama department at the University of Alberta, are the drama instructors now taking on kind of more of a role of of counselors to some of the students now? Are you getting a lot more, um, you know, online um, requests for assistance?
2: Well, that's a that's a good question, and uh, it's slightly tricky because in our department we always have a very intimate relationship with our students. We are because we. We teach small classes, we often know them very well, we're alerted to the fact if they're in trouble, we know and we, we try to deal with it. But instructors have been reaching out more than normal to try and check in because students aren't coming on campus and seeing us every day. And I, I think our instructors are doing a really good job of that, just trying to let students know, you know you're not alone. If you're, if you're not feeling well and you need groceries, we're gonna find people to help you. Don't worry, just let us know you need help.
0: I think the drama department is unique in that because of uh, in acting classes and things I've taken, you know, you're encouraged to get in touch with your feelings. So I think that the drama department is probably one of the departments at the university where feelings are most encouraged.
2: Yeah, we're not afraid of feelings, that's for sure. And we're pretty comfortable um, helping students negotiate challenges with mental health. And, you know, everybody goes through difficult times. There are roller coasters in every term. And this one is a particular challenge. And I think we're up to it.
0: Is the university reaching out to students, encouraging them to stay in uh, their programs? Because has there been an increase in students just giving up or dropping out?
2: Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it, no. I, it's hard to tell. We're, we're still in early days. So I can't be certain that we won't lose students. I think that, that there was an indication that the federal government is worried that Canada is going to lose international students. So we hope that's not true. Um, our international students are a really important part of our community. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. How, it's, it's such a dynamic situation. We, we can hardly predict what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone two months from now.
0: So the spring and summer semester, those are going to be continuing online then?
2: So far, uh, it's still pending. I mean, it, every day is new information. But the plan is to go ahead and, and move forward with spring and summer courses. We don't teach them anymore. They were um, removed from our roster as a part of the new budget model. So it won't impact the Department of Drama. But it, it's important for other departments across the university.
0: also oh, the Drama Department is actually essentially canceled for the summer due to the budget cuts.
2: Yeah, I would say it's, yeah, it, it's slightly more complicated than that, but yes, it the, the way the funding rearranged it, it just wasn't possible for us to support spring and summer courses.
0: Now, I know things are up in the air right now and nobody really knows what's going to happen day by day, but um, does the university have a contingency plan? Should the um, should the restrictions not be lifted by September? Um, we'll- courses and drama programs continue online?
2: Not yet, Um, it's my understanding that everyone's in conversation about that. And I've encouraged the instructors in my department to not worry about that right now, to focus on finishing the term and paying attention to their students because the workload to deliver our classes online is greater than it would be if we were just delivering them traditionally. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to encourage us to solve one problem at a time.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to say about the drama department or studio theater or anything?
2: No, I just, um, I guess we're, we're in a a particularly interesting situation in that we're able to understand the, the global grief over the ways in which arts practice has been canceled necessarily. So, but, the number of artists who are out of work and struggling to make ends meet and pay the rent and wondering when they're gonna have their next job. You know, we, we suffered the cancellation of five productions and we, we continue to grieve that. But in truth, performances are being canceled all over the globe. And although online, um, the online bounce back is, is lovely to watch people say, you know, Let's watch, let's watch these theater productions online. Let's make our own thing. It's fantastic. It isn't quite the same. So I think we're all looking forward to an opportunity to get back together and make some art.
0: Melanie dreyer Lude, uh, the Artistic Director of Studio Theatre and the Chairperson for the Drama Department at the University of Alberta. Thank you very much for joining me today during this difficult time. Thank you. That was Melanie dreyer lude the Artistic Director of Studio Theatre at the Tim Center for the Arts and the Chairperson for the Drama Department at the University of Alberta. My thanks to her for joining me and talking to me about how the COVID-19 shutdowns are affecting the University of Alberta Theatre Productions as well as the University of Alberta's Drama Department and other classes. This is Trevor Talbot. I'm here talking to various People in the theater community about how the COVID 19 shutdowns have been affecting them. My thanks to Daryl Cloran, the Artistic Director of the Citadel Theater. Uh, For more information on the Citadel Theater productions, you can visit citadeltheater.com. And my thanks to Melanie Dreyer Lude, the Chairperson for the Drama Department at the University of Alberta and the Artistic Director of Studio Theater for talking to me about the university's productions and uh, the university's drama classes. I encourage you to go online and watch local theater artists' uh, online work and to donate. The theater community is hurting uh, along with many others, and uh, they need your help and support to get through this. The arts are important. They are the backbone of society in some ways, whether you watch movies, television shows, whatever you're streaming online right now to get through this, it's all been created by artists, um, books, paintings, architecture. I mean, all of these things are important for enriching our lives. So thank you again to Daryl Cloran and Melanie dreyer Lude. Next up, I spoke to Belinda Cornish, Edmonton actor and playwright, who had two plays postponed due to the COVID-19 shutdowns. She wrote The Garneau Block based on a book of the same name by Todd Babiak and she was set to act in Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Both plays were at the Citadel Theater and both were shut down or postponed due to the COVID-19 crisis. So I spoke to her about how she's coping with that and how her husband is doing um, as another Edmonton Theater actor. That interview is up next after a short break. I was curious about local actors and how they were all doing in the face of the COVID-19 shutdowns. Uh, Here in Edmonton, the Citadel Theatre shut their season down. The Edmonton Opera shut down their season. The Varscona Theatre shut down their season and uh, all of their improvised shows like Dynasty were shut down. And many of them have transitioned to various online components. And so I've been talking to local actors about The shutdowns, how they're being affected by them, and about their new upcoming online content that we can all watch in the meantime for anybody who has a a hankering for live theater and can't currently attend. The COVID 19 shutdowns have affected all working actors. I spoke to one of those actors, Belinda Cornish. She's an Edmonton actor who is a regular fixture at the Varscona Theater and one of the members of the improv comedy troupe dynasty uh she also had two plays coming up at the citadel theater the garno block which she wrote and peter pan goes wrong which she was acting in both plays were set to open and were closed because of the shutdown the garno block was just a few days away from opening when they announced it was going to be shut down and peter pan goes wrong was just in the early stages of rehearsals when it was postponed I caught up to Belinda Cornish to talk to her about her life in Edmonton and how uh, the shutdowns are affecting her and her husband, Mark Meir, another dynasty comedy troupe member and another Edmonton actor. We conducted this interview over Zoom, so uh, the sound quality isn't always the best, and um, you know how computers are, so it's got those (laughs) weird ghost in the machine issues, but uh, here was our interview. Belinda Cornish. Joining me via Zoom is uh, Edmonton actor Belinda Cornish. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, why don't you tell people a little about yourself? Um, you're not originally from Edmonton, but you've been here acting for quite a while. Uh, I have.
3: So- I'm, um, I'm a Brit. <laughs> I'm an expat Brit. I, uh, I moved here from England in 2000. Um, and uh, uh, yes, and I've been working here as an actor and uh, writer and improviser ever since.
0: You work uh, a lot at the Varskona Theatre in their um, Dynasty Improvisive Soap Opera?
3: That's correct. I've been a core company of, member of, uh, of Dynasty since 2006. Um, I guested with the company, sort of did, did some uh, guest spots before then. But, um, but yeah, I was lucky enough to join the company in 2006.
0: Oh, and it's is a- that how you met your husband, Mark Meir? Because he's part of that as well.
3: He is. No, that is not how I met him. I actually met him uh, doing uh, theater sports uh, at the Orlando Fringe in 1999. Um, so we met yeah, we met in Orlando, and uh, then again at uh, the Dad's Garage theater sports tournament in Atlanta later in '99. Uh, and then I just thought I would come and visit him here in Edmonton, and I never left.
0: Oh, okay. So that's how you ended up here.
3: Yeah. Well, yes. Actually, yes. Yes. I came to visit Mark.
0: So he's from Edmonton.
3: He is actually originally from a small town just outside Edmonton, but yes, he's lived in Edmonton for a long time and uh, and was a an Edmonton resident when I met him. In fact, he was playing on the Edmonton team in Orlando at the Theatre Sports Tournament, and I believe they won.
0: I wanted they to were talk very to you. very brilliant. Uh, I don't know how anybody does improv. I'm not. Uh... Fast enough on my feet for that.
3: Well, you know what? There are different kinds of improv, and um, I've never been a super strong. Uh, um, uh, sim- similarly to to what you're saying, I'm not a, a you know super super swift with the jokes or anything like that. But um, there are lots of sort of beautiful narrative forms of improv, which are equally incredibly funny, even without sort of you know having to make a a, a a joke every ten seconds, and uh, and that's the kind of improv I, I incline towards. That's the kind of improv that Dynasty is. It's you know, it's all it's all character. It's all a big, big long glorious story arc, lots of hilarious drama. You know, the more dramatic it is, the funnier it is. That kind of thing. Yeah. I, I like improvising like that very much.
0: So the melodrama kind of thing that you guys go for.
3: There's a measure of melodrama, but you know what's funny? Um, sometimes we find both with Dynasty and also with the, uh, the London Improvathon, which uh, I've been um, lucky enough to do a number of times, which is uh, similar. They actually um, started doing their Improvathon um, after uh, uh, sort of meeting with us and doing our 50-hour sopathon that we do here in, in Edmonton. Um, that there's actually, you can create some really beautiful there's some really beautiful drama that comes out of it as well, like some really touching, genuine moments, along with the outrageous hilarity. And it's, um, it's a medium that creates such sort of peaks and valleys of light and darkness that I, I find so thrilling. It's just great.
0: With Dynasty, do you have a general sort of premise each week or in terms uh, of things to do?
3: With Dynasty, it's by the season. So our seasons run from October through May, and uh, it's every Monday night. Well, at the moment, of course, we're uh, we're on hiatus in terms of our live show, but we're actually doing a radio show. We're doing a... a, um, a, a uh, uh, we're recording a... See, I'm such a technophobe. I don't know what technically one would call it. A radio show, a podcast, a something. Anyway, we're recording shows every week that are released on Monday, um, I think around the same time that we'd normally do our live show, um, but the, the the radio show that we're doing is is in the same theme as uh, as the rest of this this season, which is nineteen um, twenties vaudeville in New York. So that's our season theme for this year. So it's all the sort of denizens of a vaudeville theater in New York who you you know meet and encounter there the the, the stars and the impresarios and. Um, and, and so on, and the relationships that they have.
0: Oh, so that probably fits in with, uh, you know, uh, radio plays quite well then.
3: It actually is. You know, you're absolutely right, Trevor. It is translating quite nicely into a radio show, and we're having a lot of fun in sort of figuring out the Foley for it and uh, uh, sort of how, how differently it plays as an audio recording as opposed to a live show. The, it's really fun.
0: the, the Foley, those are the sound effects and things like that? That's right, yeah. And uh, where can people find the radio show? I, oh, on our Facebook page, I think. I'm dreadful. I, I,
3: <laughs> I appear in the show, and I, I, I know it's on our Facebook page. There may be some other way to find it as well. Um, but, yeah, for sure on our Facebook page you can, you can find it, which is, which is just Dynasty.
0: Okay. If you look up
3: Dynasty on Facebook and follow us, you should be
0: able to find our radio show. And is there information on the Varscona website?
3: Oh, there, there might just be Trevor. You're way right, way better at this than me. You <laughs> yes, you'll be able to find information through the Bosgona Theatre website as well.
0: Okay, so I wanted to talk to some actors about their perspective on how the shutdowns are affecting um, theater because it's affecting everything from Broadway, um, I mean everywhere, um, to the smallest theaters. And um, your
3: is everything
0: you you're involved in. Not only the Varscona Theatre, but um, you had some productions at the uh, Citadel Theatre that postponed the Garneau block and uh, Peter Pan goes wrong. So um, how is that affecting you? I mean, um, actors are independent contractors, so you don't have uh, unemployment insurance. Mm -hmm. And um, you have... um, um the actors have financial support um the actors equity emergency fund and things like that uh, kick in so how are you uh, coping with this you and your husband
3: um well we are <laughs> we're knuckling down as i think everybody is uh of course there is the um uh uh the the, the government's launched the uh, uh, emergency relief fund which i guess on april 6th we're all going to see how that works um yeah i mean it's it's a it's a difficult time for for artists for all self-employed um workers and and people who are within the gig industry um uh yeah i mean it's it's challenging and it's scary but what's wonderful about uh what's wonderful about theater folk is that we kind of pull together and and try to you know try to find up try to find a way through it try to keep creating try to find ways to to um to you know, to, to find the light in a moment like this, um, financially, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it's scary for all of us. We're we're all in it. we're all in a bit of a scary time right now, for sure.
0: In addition to being an actor, you're also a playwright. You wrote the play The Garno Block based on a book.
3: That's correct. Yes, it's based on uh, uh, Edmonton author Todd Babiak's best-selling novel The Garno Block.
0: Uh, he book to Daryl Cloran. Uh, the Artistic Director at the Citadel Theatre, he said the sets and everything are still up, so there's a chance that uh, will be hopefully remounted soon. That's uh, the hope. That's
3: the hope. I mean, we'll have to see, you know, that the world is very much in flux right now. Um, and none of us know quite when when uh, uh, when the curve is going to be flattened and we're all going to be <laughs> released from social isolation. Um but but yeah, uh, as Daryl may have told you, we were we were lucky enough um, when we when the Gano block was, as as Daryl put it, when we pressed the pause button on the production, uh, we were at um, uh, dress rehearsal stage. It was the day before our final dress rehearsal, which was to be the you know uh, we were opening to an audience the following day, and of course that was that was cancelled. But um, what we had the opportunity to do was to do a uh, an invited dress rehearsal and and ask uh, you know some friends and family and cast members of other Edmonton productions which had also just been shut down to to come and come and see the dress which was lovely so everybody sort of sat with appropriate social distancing in the in the theatre and uh, and watched the dress rehearsal of Gano Block and supported the show and the amazing actors in it. And uh, yeah, it was actually a really, it was a really lovely little um, community moment in, uh, in a time when we're all sort of being, being driven into our burrows. So that was lovely. And then we, we all left the McLeod Theatre and shut off the lights and closed the doors with the set still up and all the actors' costumes are still hanging in their dressing rooms and waiting hopefully when we might be able to turn the
0: lights back on again. This is Trevor Talbot, I'm here talking to local actor and playwright Belinda Cornish over Zoom about how the COVID-19 shutdowns are affecting the local theatre community. She had two shows that were set to open at the Citadel Theatre, The Garneau Block, which she wrote, and Peter Pan Goes Wrong, which she was acting in. Both shows were postponed because of the shutdowns. How long did it take you to write The Garneau Block?
3: Uh, a couple of years. I've been working on it for a couple of years.
0: So, the, um, I mean, obviously, that was a huge disappointment when the show was uh, shuttered just before it was about to open.
3: It was, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I think it was. I think it was a bis- big disappointment for all of us. And yes, I mean, certainly, having worked on it for, for a bit, you know, been working on it for a couple of years, it was it was tough to say goodbye to it without it having had its sort of full um, it's full run. Uh, but as I say, you know, I I don't mean to sound hopelessly Pollyanna about it, but the, the support and encouragement and enthusiasm that everybody's had and, um, the way that we've all responded and banded together in the face of this has sort of alleviated that disappointment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't feel like a bleak moment. It feels like, it just feels like a pause, which is, which is encouraging.
0: You're also acting in Peter Pan Goes Wrong. Have you, had you started rehearsals for that one yet?
3: We did. We had three glorious days of rehearsal for Peter Pan Goes Wrong where the room was just full of people laughing and laughing and having the most wonderful time on that glorious show for three days before we had to shut down. So that was that was also pretty disappointing, too, because that was three days we shut down rehearsals for Peter Pan goes wrong three days after the Garno block was put on pause, so it was a bit of a double whammy for sure
0: I, I would think it would be more disappointing to shut down the Garno block because it was so close to opening, whereas Peter Pan goes wrong was just in the early stages is that would that be fair to say
3: Ah uh, I don't know, I don't know because it's it's It was different. It was the same, but different. I I wouldn't say, um, I don't know, that's a a tough question to answer. Yeah, Uh,
0: obviously disappointing, but I just thought, to me, it would seem like if you'd um, been rehearsing, were about to open a play and then couldn't deliver that to the audience, as opposed to a play you had just started rehearsing on, I think, I don't know, for me, I just thought it would be... Uh,
3: it's important. true. I, uh, yes, yes. I mean, yes, no, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. We were with, with the Garno block, we were on the brink of bringing it to an audience and everything was ready and everybody, you know, you've got all that, that sizzle is there and all the work is in place and everybody's exhausted and has put so much into getting the show up. And then, you know, you just sort of, nope, you can't do it. So yeah, it, is. it is, I mean, that's, that, it's very disappointing. Um, uh, we've, we actually have all been sort of talking, you know, uh, a lot about sort of those those different those different levels of di- disappointment in different degrees and and how we handle that because um, when the Gano block was um, was put on pause, uh, as you like it, which was at that point running at the Citadel, um, was also closed down, and yeah. they had something like they were due to close on Sunday, so they had something like four performances left.
0: Yeah. That's and, what Carol told me at four shows.
3: Yeah, which, which was also I really felt for that cast because they had, yes, they'd had a full run of their show almost, but to it sort of I think I think they felt a bit cut off at the knees, not being able to do their final four shows. You know, it was that. So it's it's but at the same time, they'd had the joy of being able to do, you know, a full run in Winnipeg and a full run here, except for those last four. So it's, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. You can, um, it, it all hurts, but then, you know, we all kind of get together and have a glass of wine and go, well, what are we going to do? We just have to try and move forward from here. And, uh, and the Citadel itself has been so, Uh, has had such a positive environment has has been like many theaters um, has been so galvanizing and that the, the the company members have been sort of so supportive and, um, and kind that I think, I think sort of most theater people, even in this worrying world that we're in right now, we all feel
0: supported by each other, which is great. Yeah. It's interesting that there were, Uh, three plays that were all affected in different ways one that was running but shut down before it ended one that was shut down just before it opened and then one in the early stages of rehearsal so yeah I guess each would present its own unique disappointment in terms of not being able to get that final curtain call and then uh, not being you're ramping up the performance for the Garneau block getting ready to open, not being able to open, and then yeah. all the creative ideas that are just starting with something like Peter Pan Goes Wrong and then not yeah. have that come to fruition. So, yeah, yes. I, I feel for all of you.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, um, uh, I, can, I confess that um, on the, the, uh, the morning that the call came down about, about Peter Pan Goes Wrong for the first time in my life, I had a shot of whiskey at 10 a.m., it was, it was a bit of a shock. (laughs) I'm not sure if I should admit that, but, um, but uh, I I didn't have more.
0: I'm sure you're not the only one during these times having a shot of whiskey, (laughs) especially the parents (laughs) home with kids.
3: (laughs) Oh, I know. I can only imagine. Yeah.
0: So um, how is the the mood among other actors? Have you spoken to other colleagues of yours and obviously you talked to your husband. So how are things among the theater community? How are people dealing with this?
3: Um, I mean, well, I can't, I can't speak for everyone in the theatre community, obviously, but I, I do, and we are in what I suspect, I don't mean to sound bleak, but what I suspect is the early stages of this, uh, this shutdown still. Um, but I do, I do feel that everybody is really making the best of it they possibly can. Um, there are so many, zoom meetings there are so many uh, people getting together to try and go well why don't we create this thing or you know trying to reinvent their art for a new medium Uh, and also just staying in touch with each other and um, and, you know uh, there was a um, a telethon on the weekend raising money for the actors fund and um, which which Mark and I were lucky enough to take part of uh, that that uh, a Nick Green's social distancing festival that that he put together in the first couple of days of this, and so you know people are people are still finding ways to create and share and uh, keep spirits up and keep moving forward. And I do feel like the arts community is really really pulling together in the face of this, and not just for ourselves, not just for the sake of the arts community, but for the sake of trying to you know bring a little joy and light everywhere we can yeah it was that just... sounds incredible I don't mean that to sound quite as pompous and trite as it just did but it's you know
0: no just I completely to... understand I was just saying the same thing to my mother about how artists kind of have an obligation in some ways it's, that's their job to kind of uh inject some levity into the world especially yeah. during these dark times and so you know whatever it is
3: something we're quite Generally, it is something that artists are, are good at. It's reflecting society, but also bringing some levity and some joy and delight.
0: Yeah, um, and and artists are finding all kinds of other ways. Like Zoom now is uh, the interesting thing. I never heard of Zoom two weeks ago, and now I'm communicating. Me neither.
3: That's how that's how we're recording the Dynasty uh, uh, Radio Show is on Zoom. Oh wow. Yep, yeah, we're all, we're all getting together, talking about whether we should um, do costumes from the neck up to, to, <laughs> so that we actually look like our characters.
0: Oh, so even though it's on the radio, there's a visual component to it?
3: There is a visual component to it, yeah. Yeah, you can watch us all sitting in our homes with no makeup on. Oh, um, okay. Pretending to be fabulous, fabulous glamoristas from the 20s. Oh,
0: so you can listen to it either as audio or watch it with the audio and the visual?
3: I think you can watch it with the audio and the visual too. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's just all all your uh, all your dynasty
0: favorites in little little squares. I'll try to look up the website and everything and plug it at the end when I. Oh, please do. Yes,
3: yes, yes, yes. Despite my extremely lousy lack of detail, um, uh, as I said, I'm 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 a bit of a technophobe, so I'm having to. I'm on a very steep learning curve.
0: I'm a bit the same way myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is Trevor Talbot. I'm here on Zoom speaking with local actor and playwright Belinda Cornish about how the COVID-19 shutdowns are affecting the local theater community. Um, so your husband, Mark, has I mean, I, aside from Dynasty, has he had any productions canceled?
3: Well, my husband um, has, yes. Uh, it, that's the short answer. He has, he, um, uh, is a voice actor as well as an improviser and, and stage actor, and he, um, uh, he is uh, sometimes invited or often invited to uh, to comic conventions um, uh, for his. He was the um, uh, uh, if if you're familiar with the BioWare game series Mass Effect, he played Commander Shepard, who's sort of the the lead character. He did the male male voice of uh, Uh, Commander Shepard and so in that capacity and in for other voiceover work he's done He's he's invited to comic conventions to sign and sometimes judge costume contests and he also has a couple of one-man shows that he is uh, He's been invited to come and perform at those conventions and he had a few lined up that have of course been cancelled So uh, so that sucks (laughs) So he's home too, which is great
0: He does a lot of cosplay too, doesn't he?
3: He does do some cosplay. Yeah yeah he's uh that's his cosplay is um uh well he could speak more to that i should let him speak to that but um it's um uh he's i suppose one would say he's not an official cosplayer
0: but he does do some cosplay i was thinking of interviewing both of you for this but i wasn't sure if that would be too much oh i'm sure he would be delighted to talk to you he is currently
3: uh, um online downstairs um playing dungeons and dragons with some friends from england so uh i I can't rest him away right now he's i'm not sure what he's being but probably some sort of evil wizard is my guess okay and if he heard me saying that he would clarify swiftly that the character is not called an evil wizard it's called a something else but i don't know what that thing is so evil wizard is his for now
0: it almost sounds like you're a parent with a kid at home (laughs)
3: No, not quite. No, two, two dogs who have had, who've also been on a swift learning curve about Zoom because one of them was, I was telling somebody this the other day, um, one of them is, is aging and um, is entirely baffled by video conferencing and was just, every time we had a video conference in the first couple of days, would just rush about shrieking at nothing, just yelling. That we were talking to somebody who wasn't there and eventually she figured out that that wasn't doing any good so now she's quiet but um yeah but it was a trying couple of days
0: it's been interesting watching everybody with their pets on their laps or <laughs> their yes. during interviews and things uh so uh, speaking of the internet though and online stuff um the citadel theater has started their stuck at home series online posting 50 different short videos of artists, you kicked that off with a reading from the Garno block. I uh, did, yeah. Tell us a bit more about that and will you be back with any other readings?
3: I, um, oh, well, I would love to always, but I think we have, we have many, many wonderful artists in the city who all of whom should be featured and I'm sure we have many more than 50. So I, I'm sure the Citadel will have a tough time actually, uh, you know, um, actually keeping it to 50 people because there are as i say there are so many fabulous artists in this city um it's actually called the stuck in the house series but uh sort of which is inspired by their house series which normally runs in the rice theater and is a sort of concert series um and so they they made it the stuck in the house series did I
0: um, call it stuck at home
3: sorry you called it stuck at home yes that's right oh, okay. um uh, yeah um so uh, Daryl asked uh, me if I would, uh, you know, Mark and I might read a a, a bit of the Gano block just to give it a little bit of an airing and, and share it with some people seeing as it um, it, it sadly didn't get the audience that, or has not yet had the audience that we hope it eventually will because of, because of our current situation. Um, and so Mark and I decided that instead of doing, um, a two person scene from the show, which would be the thing that would, you know, make the most sense since we are two people. Um, I thought that because it's a big ensemble show uh, with a lot of characters and it's about community, I thought it'd be a better reflection of the play if we um, actually tried to play as many of the characters as we could. So we did that uh, with the aid of a a sizable pile of hats. Um, we, we just played as many of the characters as we could in in one of the group scenes from the Garno blog. So yes, you can find that in the Stuck in the House series uh, on, I believe it's on YouTube and also Citadel's Facebook page and Twitter.
0: Yes, and I think they, the Citadel website also has it, citadeltheatre.com as well.
3: Aha, yes. Yes, and, I, uh, and there are also many, many other incredible artists doing wonderful wonderful little segments as well um, that that you can that you can catch Oscar Dirk's singing uh, let it be from as you like it is so wonderful it's just so wonderful um and there as i say there there are many others
0: as well so you did a run through of the garnet block i read that you did one run through for archival purposes so was that uh, videotaped yes it was Okay. So if, if the production isn't staged and if it doesn't end up uh, coming through, will that potentially air somewhere for people to see? Um,
3: I would, I can't answer to that. My guess would be if it's an archival taping, it would be, um, I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, it's beautifully done, but I would, my guess is it's more of a practical video in terms of existing so that, um, so that so that we have record of it, and so uh, as and when the company can get back together to put it up again, we've got a little bit of a, a useful shorthand that we can sort of look at the video and go, "Aha, that's where we put that thing." Oh. Um, I I doubt I doubt that it's um that it's a, a broadcastable video, but as I say, I can't answer to that. That would be a that would be a Citadel question because I haven't seen
0: it. Okay, yeah, I understand. So the Garneau block, though. Maybe potentially um, staged at some point, and Peter Pan goes wrong. But at the same time, there's a chance they, if the theater season is delayed too long, then they, if because if theaters don't open again till September, this season didn't oh. start running into the next season, would it?
3: Um. I again, I can't answer that. I don't know. My guess is that because they, you know, pretty much every theater or most theatres have already announced their 2020, 2021 seasons. So they've got, already got companies lined up for, uh, for, those, for those seasons. I don't think they can just, you know, when you start pushing those things back, I, I think the knock-on effect is probably pretty colossal. But I also am confident and I really believe that, that um, uh, all the theatres are making a really concerted effort to uh to bring back any shows they possibly can if that's if that's feasible and possible and reasonable i i believe that a a lot of our theaters will want to revisit shows that did not get a chance because of um because of our, our quarantine situation um, so yeah we'll just I guess we'll just have to see we are surrounded by some incredibly innovative inventive people and so I'm pretty sure if they can make it happen they will.
0: Uh, I think I read something from Daryl Clorn about that he said um, because the Citadel has its own space there's greater likelihood that some of these can be restaged because you don't have to book a theater space or something again later.
3: Yes yeah I mean I imagine as long as you know, it's 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 as long as spaces don't conflict and as long as artists are available. You know, if if one can if all those pieces fall into place, then um, then I'm I'm
0: I'm sure Daryl will try to make it happen. Do you own the rights to the Garner Block play? I mean, if you wanted to restage it somewhere else after this is over, would you be able to do that?
3: Um, oh, I w- I would love if it was uh, put up somewhere else. That would be brilliant. That's that's every playwright's dream. You know, to have have their play um, uh, uh, travel around and be picked up by other theatres. Um, I uh, I share the rights with Todd Babiak because he he wrote the original property of the, the novel. So uh, the play um, the the play itself is yes is mine, but I but I sh- I share the rights with. That's not exactly how it works, but essentially I share the rights with Todd.
0: The, but the Citadel Theatre would have the immediate rights right now for it until this is over.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and also you know the the Citadel commissioned it. Um, the Citadel it has been an incredibly supportive of this play in so many ways. I it's it's theirs. I mean, in terms of yes, they they get to produce it
0: whenever and, they so wish. And who do you play in Peter Pan Goes Wrong?
3: Um, in Peter Pan goes wrong. I play a character called Annie. And Annie plays um, uh, Mrs. Darling and Tinkerbell.
0: Okay. And a couple of other characters. Sorry? It's a play within a play then.
3: Uh, Essentially, yes. I mean, you don't, it's not like noises off in that, you know, you see the backstage and and the the, uh, actors talking or anything like that. But because it is a play that goes wrong. Um, There are moments where you see flashes of the actors who are playing the characters, um, which is sort of part of the fun of the rehearsal process. Because, well, in those first three days that we had, um, we were working on blocking Peter Pan Goes Wrong, the play, but then we were also taking an hour or two each day to do um, improvs in character, Uh, and so sort of discovering who the people, who, who it is we're playing, who is playing the roles in Peter Pan, if that makes sense. Because we are basically, we're all playing a bunch of actors who are trying their darndest to do a great production of Peter Pan. It's just that everything keeps going wrong. So, uh, so that's kind of part of the fun of it.
0: Okay. Well, hopefully we'll all get to see that, uh, as soon as we can.
3: Yeah, I hope so too. It's I've seen Peter Pan Goes Wrong three times now, um, in, in other productions, and it's so
0: funny. Yeah, I love those farces where those kind of things uh happen. It's
3: just it's 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 cripplingly funny. It's just it's just wonderful. And it's also touching as well in moments, which, you know, uh just like the the, the best the best dramas have uh the odd little moment of levity, the best comedies have little moments of poignancy too. So it's great.
0: Much like life. Yes, indeed. Much like life. Um, I imagine when they reopen the doors, uh, the shows will all be sold out because so many people will be eager to get back to theater and uh, to see all of you again. So Yes,
3: yes, think- hoping. When we reopen the Garneau block and Peter Pan goes wrong, everybody buy your tickets. Come, please.
0: But thank you so much for joining me, especially during these difficult times. And hopefully I can interview you again soon when the play is about to open and you can tell us all about the production.
3: That would be wonderful, Trevor. It's been really nice
0: talking to you. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. That was Belinda Cornish, uh, Edmonton playwright and actor. Uh, Her productions are The Garneau Block and Peter Pan Goes Wrong talking to me about the COVID-19 shutdowns. My thanks to her. Thank you again to Belinda Cornish for joining me. Uh, I did look up the web information on her various different theater projects. You can visit DynastyImprov.com for all information on the Dynasty uh, Improv Troupe and Improv Shows. Um, That's Di-Nasty, D-I-E. So not Dynasty, but Di-Nasty. DynastyImprov.com. Uh, you can also check out their Facebook page. Just look at look up Dynasty Improv on Facebook and you can check them out on YouTube. Just search for Dynasty Improv and you'll find them on YouTube. If you're a fan of Dynasty, you should definitely check out their online videos. Uh, if you've never heard of them before, now's the time to check them out. Uh, I looked at their first video online and it's quite funny. It's quite interesting to watch them. They're all there in sort of you know uh like Brady Bunch or Hollywood Squares sort of uh boxes and they're doing their characters voices and everything and it's quite quite funny and quite interesting to watch so you should definitely check them out you've got nothing else to do around the house you probably binge watched everything so check out and support local theater dynastyimprov.com on facebook on youtube if you check out Dynasty's Facebook page, they also provide links on various other projects that are happening within the theater community. Uh, they have the links on there for the Stuck in the House series from the Citadel Theater, and uh, there's a link on there for their Dynasty YouTube page, and there's also a link for the Playwrights Guild of Canada um, reading seven plays. So. All of those links are on Dynasty's Facebook page if you want to check them out there. You can also get updates on the future of shows at Citadeltheater.com and at VarsconaTheater.com. My thanks again to Belinda Cornish for joining me for the interview. It was delightful to talk to her. My best wishes to her and to her husband, Mark Meir. This is Trevor Talbot. I've been talking to various theater performers in the city about the COVID 19 shutdowns on the live theater scene and how theater performers are dealing with this and how things are transitioning online. This is Trevor Talbot wishing you all good health. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, and we will get through this.